0: Bye. <laughs>
1: To the people, baby. Where we at? What we doing? This is a little special, special episode we got here. We're gonna take a look back at our standout highlight moment, Cynic,
2: and see what gems we can pull out of the archives. These are best voted from all of our That's millions of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we rubbish through the emails. <laughs> <laughs> we spent hours, people, hours trying to get these nuggets of gold out for you. So enjoy the show.
1: And here it is. This is dedicated to this you, dedicated my, friends, friends, to you dedicated my friends, and to friends, all the brave souls who entered the door, door in the wall, door, in the wall door, 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 to find door, themselves to find on the other side. Other other side,
0: other on other side. Other my, what a peculiar place to have a party! <coughs> you know, Dino, we really shouldn't <coughs> be doing this. After all, we haven't.
3: After Trouble. Have you taken LSD? About four times. And where did you get it from? Oh, well, you know, I mean, if I was to say where I got it from, you know, it's illegal and everything. It's silly to say that. Don't you believe that this was a matter which you should have kept private? Mm, but the thing is, you know, that I was asked a question by a newspaper. And the decision was whether to tell a lie or to uh tell him the truth you know i decided to tell him the truth but i i really didn't want to say anything you know because if i would had my decision uh you know if i had it my way i wouldn't have told anyone you know because i'm not trying to spread the word about this but the man from the newspaper is the man from the mass medium you know i'll keep it a personal thing. If he does too, you know, if he keeps it quiet. But he wanted to spread it, so it's his responsibility, you know, for spreading it, not mine. But you're a public figure, and you said it in the first place, and you must have known that it would have made made the newspapers. Yes, but to say it, you know, is only to tell the truth. I'm telling the truth, you know. I don't know what everyone's so angry about. Do you think you have now encouraged your fans to take drugs? I don't think it'll make any difference, you know, I don't think. My fans are going to take drugs just because I did. The thing is, that's not the point anyway. You know, I was asked whether I had or not. And then from then on, the whole bit about how far it's going to go and how many people it's going to encourage is up to the newspapers and up to you, you know, on television. I mean, you're spreading this now at this moment. This is going into all the homes, you know, in Britain. And I'd rather it didn't, you know. You're asking me the question. You want me to be honest. I'll be honest, you know. But as a public figure, surely you've got a responsibility to lots of this. No, it's you've got the responsibility. You've got the responsibility not to spread this now. You know, I'm quite prepared to keep it as a very personal thing.
1: back no stone unturned yes we are what up cynic
2: no stone unturned no stone unturned
1: it's your boy frank mr chitty chitty bang bang aka that boy aka superfly aka smooth as ice twice as nice back door let's get it all right that was a lot but and, i'm with cynic
2: <laughs> <laughs> what up cynic and cynic <laughs> aka
1: cynic aka that boy cynic hey man i'm excited for this for this episode what we got in store today yeah. we got some good stuff coming It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun.
2: It's a long time coming. When we talked about um, a second season, so this was back in season one, uh, when we talked about a second season and bringing on guests, um, this topic and uh, this guest was the first that that popped in my head. And since then, we've been been trying to to arrange it and make this happen. So I'm really excited about it, too.
1: We're going to actually play the interview. A little later on in the show, unfortunately, I was not available for the interview, but Cynic, I'm so glad that I have somebody like you as a co-host because you did an outstanding job. Your friend Sen was outstanding. I'm bummed that I couldn't make it, man, but hopefully she'll be a friend of the show and I'll catch her on the rebound. But you guys got a real treat coming for you, man. But before we get into that, Cynic, I want to get into a couple of our segments and I want to get into a little quicker because we we know that this, uh, this episode might be a little longer, so I want to be conscious of that. Um, and I want to get right into Florida woman. If you're okay with it, man, we get rolling. Let's here. rock. I got a good one here. All right. Florida woman shoots husband in testicles after he tried to take her air conditioner. Oh. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh man. I love Why? it. I love it. This is fresh off the block. So the Florida woman accused of shooting her husband in the testicles is back in jail after failing to show up to court. Police said Kimberly Dunn, 35, lost her cool when her husband and his brother came to her Lake City home last year to pick up an air conditioning unit that she was trying to sell on Facebook. The couple were going through a divorce at the time. According to the report, Dunn sat on the unit to prevent the two men from taking it. When her husband tried to get her off the AC, she tried to fend him off with a stun gun, then fired a round at her now ex-husband's testicles using a handgun. Yo. <laughs> Her husband's brother was able to restrain Dunn and take his brother to the hospital. Police said her husband picked up the gun and brought it to the hospital with him. Dunn was arrested that day and booked into the Columbia County Jail without incident. She later told investigators she did not intend to shoot her husband. She only wanted to scare him. Mm -hmm. On Thursday, Dunn was jailed for failing to show up to court and now faces additional charges of contempt of court. So
2: that was that hurts even like it still hurts just hearing it I can't you know how bad Jesus it is Christ.
1: just getting kicked in the nuts
2: exactly that's why I'm thinking of a freaking uh, high velocity projectile <laughs> blasting
1: one of them into oblivion straight up, straight up Tupac man I remember Tupac had one testicle he got shot he got shot in the nuts I don't know if you remember that
2: uh, no I, I didn't he, I forgot about yeah, that yeah
1: it's uh the tsunami effect of pain Right, Because first, and this is just getting kicked in the nuts, right? First you get kicked in the nuts, then your nuts send <laughs> a message to your brain about three seconds later. It's, you know, it's not right away. You're like, oh, I, I might get away. Oh no, there it is. And and that's just getting kicked. So getting shot in the testicle, I can only imagine over a freaking air conditioning. I guess I'm assuming they went half on the AC. She was trying to set it on Facebook. He wasn't having it. He tried to go pick it up. Bang, bang. First, try to hit him with the stun gun. Then uh, shot him in one of his testicles, so...
2: Come home, That's Florida
1: Woman for you, man. Keeping it spicy, keeping it interesting, you know? Uh,
2: you guys can't handle weapons over there. You, you really got to get... it's. You guys have those things like toys. It's like candy, man. You got to get them out of your hands. Right you <laughs> got the right
1: to bear arms. So <laughs> what we got. Yeah. And shoot each other in the testicles.
2: Doing a great job with in that, In all right?
1: seriousness, gun laws do need to be revamped here in the States. I don't think we should lose our right to bear arms because i like i like that amendment right personally but i do think that that system needs to be revamped because when there's little kids walking into schools with high-powered assault rifles and um doing a lot of damage i mean right up the road it's nation nationwide news right up the road for me about 15 minutes Marjorie stoneman douglas the last um, mass shooting that that we've had in the nation that was um on february 14th of all the days so i know we're making light of it but we do need to fucking look at that because when when it's that easy, there's something wrong, and especially when mental health comes into play. But mm-hmm. she was strapped. She shot him in the testicles. He's one less down. But um, I don't know. For for all I know, for all we know, they'll probably get back together, Cindy.
2: Yeah, that's uh, what I would expect, apart for the course.
1: The makeup sex will be great. <laughs>
2: Oh, God. All right. So let's move on to some happier topics. Let's get it. Fun fact. Here you go. Project MKUltra is not a conspiracy theory, but in fact, actual history. The CIA developed this mind control program unofficially in 1950 and was sanctioned in 1953. The project lasted until 1973 officially. So 20 years this project was going. LSD was used extensively on thousands of unsuspecting members of the population. Even within the CIA, drinks were often spiked at the agency's gatherings to test the outcomes on intelligence officers. It was not uncommon for invitees to bring their own drinks as they soon became aware of this practice and quickly learned to mistrust the catering service. So this is real deal. The CIA had this project and they were really dosing people with LSD to test the effects. And it goes way beyond. It's uh, way beyond the example that I just read of them dosing their own. Um, you can find stories of them uh, luring uh, people into so-called uh, parties and um Dosing them there and watching how they reacted behind a uh, like a two-way mirror, <laughs> recording <laughs> what was th- this was all being done to a completely unsuspecting public, like lab rats, like lab rats, yeah. MKUltra, look it up. I've heard
1: of that before. That's really fucked up because if you don't <laughs> know what's here's the thing, if you understand that you're ingesting something and it's gonna take you somewhere. I think mentally, you're much more prepared for what you're about to encounter. Right? Yeah, of course. But when yeah. you're giving somebody, when you're giving something to somebody, especially something like LSD, which I've never experienced personally, but I know that it's it's you know one of the strongest psychedelics out there, with the exception of ayahuasca when we get into that stuff. But you know, it's it's up there with 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 the big boys on the block. When you're giving somebody something as serious and as strong as that, when you're giving that to somebody unknowingly, mm-hmm. that could create a mental break, man. Because they can't explain what's going on. Yep. If you know you're going into it, you're right. I'm going to see some crazy shit. Everything's going to be all right. But if you're just easy peasy lemon squeezy drinking some water and all of a sudden you start seeing fucking elephants. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's pretty fucked up. But yep. very interesting. It, it
2: absolutely was. Absolutely was. But that's just one example of the kinds of things they did to an unsuspecting public back in those days and um and part of this part of this project and, and then we can we can move on was about um mind control mm. like testing how they could start you know implement something like mind control and the LSD was was what they thought they could use to to like uh, initiate that and control it so there you go cool, remember so. you you mentioned before in in one episode before about the mentoring candidate the mentoring candidate mm-hmm. right
1: Yep, wow. yep, that's right up the block, man. It's right up the block. All right. Well, thanks for freaking me out. Now I'm always now I'm always going to take my cup of water with me when I leave the room. <laughs> bring your bring your own drink <laughs> just in case. But let's get into it, man. Let's get into this episode's meat and potatoes. Yes, you know the the spine of this thing. And like I said earlier, it's this uh this really great interview that we captured with you and your friend Sen. I'm really excited to to listen to it, and I'm I'm excited to show it to the people. Senic
2: absolutely that's right
1: awesome man let's get into it
2: so let's uh let's dig into this this complicated topic can you tell me like how did you get introduced to it or or, or, and how did you get introduced to it and why like how did that journey start for you
4: you know i was trying to trace it back to the moment of inception (laughs) (laughs) and you know of course um so our society and our culture is so influenced by psychedelics. And I didn't realize that until I experienced psychedelics for the first time. And I also came late into the game. I had my first psychedelic experience um, when I was 31. and But prior to that, you know, you hear about things, right? You hear about LSD, acid, mushrooms, ayahuasca. You know, that's just in mm-hmm. the culture. And, you know, it's in the media. It's in the storytelling. You know, you watch movies and there's, you know, references to, you know, to like... Uh, psychedelic patterns, or like you know, certain kinds of music, or you know, um, books and literature that were inspired by psychedelic experiences, and so just growing up in um, in Canada, uh, it's it's just kind of like always there if you're in tune with it, oh. um, but. Um, the first time that I became really interested in it was I'm trying to remember if this was a video that I watched in high school or if it was um, like around that time, around like 17 or 18. But I remember there was this this black and white video from the 1950s that was shown to me. I want to say that it was shown to me by a high school teacher, but I feel like that probably wouldn't have happened (laughs) back then. Um, But the video was of this um, experiment that they did back then, like around the 50s or the 60s. And it was like professor in a lab coach um, with this housewife, um, like, prim and proper housewife and they at that time they were conducting research into psychedelics and that time psychedelics hadn't been listed as schedule one drugs yet by the government Um, and so there were a lot of creative directions as to like what are are these substances and how can they be used and what are the effects on people so they were conducting like you know regular clinical trials and the backstory of this of this video was that the scientists had um, kind of like made a call out to housewives, you know, to various people who um, would have been suitable for testing the effects of LSD. And then they picked, you know, a couple. And this video showed um, this professor in her lab coat with a glass of water, uh, which mm-hmm. he had dosed with LSD. So this is all consensual, right? Okay, was, so like, they knew about a, this. <laughs> she knew about it. She knew what she was getting into. And like, she, I, I'm pretty sure that she wouldn't have known what would have happened to her because how can anyone describe uh, a psychedelic experience? Um, but just like something, you know, was what well, piqued her into uh, her curiosity. And so she volunteered for this experiment. She sat, you know, and the thing is like at the beginning of the video, she's like, she's so rigid and tight and controlled, you know, just like sitting there, like really clenched in, in the chair. And the um, the professor administers the LSD. She drinks the glass of water. And, um, and then you... <laughs> jump forward like half an hour Mm -hmm. uh, into the video and she's starting to feel the effects and she's starting to like, you know, think like, "Hmm, I feel a a little bit of like something. I feel a bit of tingling, you know, in the back of my throat or a bit of warmth in my chest. Um, And then you fast forward another hour and she's like more relaxed and she's like, I'm starting to see some waves in the air. And then you cut forward to like another 45 minutes and she's like, there's something so beautiful right there in the corner. I can... I can see it approaching me. It's, it's coming for me. Like, there's so many things that are alive in this. I mean, she's just like totally immersed in this experience. And, um, and then you fast forward another, like, you know, 45 minutes, and she's like, I'm just like a part of everything. You know, there's energy emanating from everything. And she looks at the professor. She's like, But not you, <laughs> but everything else is emanating this special energy, and it's coming from me, and it's so beautiful. And, um, and you know, you just like watch this, this video. And you're, you know, I just found myself so transfixed by this um this woman who was having like such a a beautiful experience. Um and just how much she opened up and loosened into uh into herself mm-hmm. as she was experiencing this substance, just seated in the same chair. Like she didn't move, you know, she was just seated in the same chair, and you've got like the professor taking notes the whole time, and she's just like having the best time. And I watched that video and I was like I want to have that experience. That sounds so interesting. Wow! Um, and so that was like when I was like eighteen or so, and that was just like it just marked. I you know I marked that experience in my memory, and the, I, I never actually had a chance to to try mm-hmm. the substance until like you know thirteen years later. And that and that. But
2: and thirteen years later, that was uh, that would have been what LSD? What you tried? That? Yeah. So okay. so
4: so my first yeah my first experience with uh, was with LSD. Um, which is the one that I, I wanted to experience in the first place, but I was curious about a lot of things. Actually, no, no, let me, no. My first experience was actually with mushrooms. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and Old faithful uh, the mushroom. <laughs> good old faithful mushrooms, yeah. And that was, that was also like a, a really um, beautiful and, and very um, guided and contained and safe experience that I had with uh, a group of friends um, in Montreal. Uh, so just like a really positive, um, like, you know, wholesome experience. Very interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: And I spend a lot of time thinking about that and really trying to understand if, you know, this is coming from the, it came from the environment I was in or the headspace that I was in. And um, I think that must have played a role. And so when you describe her experience and then when you describe your experience and they're, you know, pretty positive experiences... Um, It always brings me back to that, you know, because, yeah, I I guess what I'm trying to say, it's not always a super nice, positive experience, as I know firsthand. But yeah, maybe you can say something about that in terms of the environment and your headspace and how much that affects it.
4: So in the psychedelic world, we talk about set and setting as being the two tenets of what makes for uh, a good experience and set refers to mindset and setting refers to your actual physical setting or your social setting. So it's like You know, it's like anything; it doesn't have to be uh, only applied to a psychedelic experience. It's like set and setting are applied to any kind of experience. You know, if you have, if you are going to throw a party, you want to make sure that you are in the right frame of mind. You want to make sure that the space is welcoming. If you are going to go on a camping trip, you want to make sure that you know you are feeling like healthy about it and that you are with the right people. um, That you are going to uh, a place where you are going to feel comfortable and safe, right? Mm. Um, So, what psychedelics do? one of the many things is that they act as a general amplifier of your internal state exactly which means that any emotions that you're experiencing whether they're positive or challenging they typically get amplified you know you just like you you get more aware of them and you notice them more in others and you know you can really like feed off of other people's emotions as well um so you know the the state that you enter and uh, the experience with it, and kind of like the expectations and the approach that you take with it can certainly set you um, at a certain let's say angle to the experience. Mm. Um, and the same thing goes with the physical setting is that you know you want to make sure that you have a place All that's right, let's, comfortable let's stop and it right here, warm sitting. and safe and that you'll be undisturbed at least for part of the experience. She's no.
1: talking about set and setting right? Mindset, yeah. the mindset that you're in when you consume it, and mm-hmm. the setting your environment. And I love that, mm-hmm. man, because the reason I just wanted to take a quick second to, to touch up on that is because I'm I'm somebody personally, and I think we all are to a certain extent, but some some of us more than others, I'm very aware of the energy that I keep around me. Mm. Because the energy that I keep around me, ultimately, it's, it's either going to be something that it's going to take if it's bad energy or if it's energy that's not conducive to my flow, it's going to take too much of my energy to fight that so it doesn't disrupt me, right? Mm-hmm. So it's much more strenuous versus having somebody who's aligned with me and it's effortless. Obviously, if, if you have the, the option, mm-hmm. well, not obviously, but for me, if I have the option, I'd rather have people around me where I don't have to fight their energy, where we can just be kind of kumbaya. But with with con- you know consuming the the psychedelics, it amplifies everything. It, everything is, you know, it's kind of like a veil is lifted in a sense, you know, and no. you don't want to put yourself in a situation and it's known, you know, don't, don't go on trips with people that you have grudges with because those things are going to come out. You, you, you're not going to have the ability to suppress it. Like you do on kind of your everyday life. Um, where you, you know, if you, you're not too fond of somebody, you can just kind of bite your tongue, right. Just to be mm-hmm. a, a responsible adult choosing your battles when when you're on on that journey there is no bullshit the bullshit meter doesn't exist it's reality and i i that speaks to me just because again i'm a huge believer in energy and i'm a huge believer in in being conscious and mindful of the energy that you keep the energy that you keep around you um and that's some yeah. cool stuff to see how that connects
2: yeah so another interesting part about that is even if you're alone let's say um mm-hmm. Exactly. Apparently, the setting is, in terms of where you physically are, so like the difference between being somewhere where you just feel comfortable, like, let's say, hopefully at home, <laughs> or, you know, maybe you're alone, but you're in a, an unfamiliar environment, apparently that can also impact or have some kind of an impact on how you experience that particular journey. So it's, 100%. it's uh, a, f- a few things to think about, Yeah. Like where you are mentally, where you are physically, who you're surrounded by, all these things. Um, but it makes sense, right? If it's an amplifier, then anything that will give you some emotion, mm-hmm. it's going to amplify that emotion. So, And the other thing is, I just thought about something. I'll make it quick. The other, I, I just realized that if you are on a psychedelic trip and all of these things are factors in terms of how you will feel, how much energy must we be expending on our day-to-day in trying to deal with things re- like regarding our environment regarding the people we're with regarding our old emotions like cuz when you're on the trip like those things just come out right yeah the filter is gone but how much energy are we expending in our day to day to filter those things so we can function that's crazy <laughs> that's
1: that's a great way of putting it man
2: that's got to be really exhausting on on the person. And
1: I'm sure the more and more that happens, that could lead to fucking depression. That could lead to eating disorders. That could lead to other shit, you know. Because physical, spiritually, well. yeah, spiritually, man, you know? we're we're not we're not there, man. I love it, man. All right, let's let's get going again. Hit that play button. Carry on.
2: Meaning, you know, I may have just gotten a peek through, but I still don't feel like I've had that experience. So I, I hear about other people's experience with a bit of envy, uh, but. I'm still uh keeping the uh the faith yeah that um when the time is right uh, I'll have the right experience.
4: Yeah, I I can relate to this feeling of expectation because even after having had several psychedelic experiences, I still sometimes have this, you know, this feeling like oh, it's going to be it's going to be the thing that you know I'm going to get a revelation. I'm going to mm-hmm. be able to act as a part of myself and then I'm going to deal with it and then we're going to be done and then it's going to be over and then I'll be like a new person. I'll have fixed my problem, you know? Yeah. And um, and I noticed that whenever I have the tendency to do that is when I have like a fixed idea of how I want the thing to go, you know? It's mm. like you, um, like you over plan things um, and you, exactly. you try to like exert some control over things. You're like, this is how the problem is going to be solved. You know, I'm going to bring this magic tool inside, wave it, have an interesting experience and then it'll be and it's like very linear kind of thinking right Mm -hmm. um it's like problem solution you know cause effect and um nothing really works like that like we're not (laughs) we're not mechanical pieces to be fixed by a special tool yeah uh and that's like sometimes like a really frustrating thing to to realize because you know like so many people do have these um these peak experiences like you know peak as in like high apex apex experiences um during which time they you know recognize like really profound insights about themselves or um you know they make connections that otherwise they weren't able to make And, but the thing is that those things typically happen when you're not like, I'm going to have a peak Mm, experience, mm, (laughs) mm. (laughs) you know, Um, even when, you know, you decide you're going to, let's say, take a higher dosage of things, that higher dosage does not equal peak experience. Um, It doesn't often have that kind of like one-to-one kind of effect. It's like so many things, you know, come to light. It's like if you're going to go on a long journey um sometimes you embark on that journey with the the goal of like you know discovering yourself and you're like i'm going to discover myself in my head by doing this and doing this and doing this and by the end of all those things i've checked the boxes and i've discovered myself and that's your plan going in but that journey is going to do all sorts of things that were not planned and that's where the real learning happens yeah. um, and I think that's the thing that we need to like remember when we're going through any kind of experience um, not just a psychedelic experience is that our expectations are just our expectations you know they're just like the idea that we have of what could happen
2: yeah you know I, I w- I'd like to talk about the learning part you know that you just mentioned you know we've been talking or at least the only experience I've had has been with um, with mushrooms I should just uh, just to clarify that yeah, um yeah. I know you've had experiences uh, with other psychedelics, yeah, I'm curious to know like what first of all what what are those other psychedelics that you've um um tried, and what would you say was the difference in terms of learning or or is there no difference like i I'm just curious because again i'm I'm listening to. My my guru here. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Teach me, master. <laughs>
4: oh my goodness. Um, well, the thing is, you know, I I can only say what my experiences have been, and you know, anyone who takes whatever they want to take is like that's that you know that's a that's a disclaimer. Like no no guru status at all yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, the the classic psychedelics that I've uh, experienced are uh, mushrooms, LSD, and uh, to an extent ayahuasca, um, which which contains DMT. Ooh, and um, you can experience uh, like th- seeing these patterns. You know that's what we that's what we think about when we think about the '60s, like all the all the swirls and everything. Yeah. Like that's what you see. You know, when I saw that for the first time, I was like, oh, that's why there are all these. Swirly things in all the movies from the sixties—that's where it comes from. Wow, I get it now. And then you understand that, and then you see it everywhere so you've in, seen in it. art and music. Yeah, you're like, that's what they're talking about. Okay, wow. cool. Um, and you know, you look at like paintings and stuff, and you see like the the shifting colors and how like the foreground and the background like can kind of in and out of focus, and um, and things take on like a breathing quality. So. Um, stationary objects will sometimes feel like they're like expanding and contracting as if, you know, as if they're respirating. Um, And the same thing with, uh, with plants in particular is like, I I look at plants and they often feel like they're just like the leaves are are breathing, you know, I can like feel that they're just like kind of, you know, beating. Stop it
1: right there. Stop it right there.
2: I was thinking of you when she said that. (laughs) I remember when you gave me that exact description. I saw
1: the plant taking in the oxygen, filtering the carbon dioxide and releasing it back into the universe, man. I saw that. It's so crazy to hear somebody else describe it in that same, you know, it's like there's this plane, man. There's this plane that you get to and eventually you will get there, cynic. right? And when you get there, it's like, yeah, you saw that blue house? You saw the yellow one on the corner? <laughs> you know, it's, uh- <laughs> it's like, yeah, I saw the yellow house too. So dope, so yeah. dope to hear to hear her describe it like that because that euphoric, that euphoric feeling is what I felt, man. It was it was a beautiful thing. Yeah, but, when she said it,
2: I was like, wow. Yeah, uh, Frank would 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 definitely be jumping in right now because I remember when you uh, described that. I almost mentioned it to her, but I didn't want to interrupt her. So,
1: nah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, hit it.
2: Um, wow. with their own beat
4: and that's it's just so beautiful to watch and especially like getting out into nature and like being with the trees and being with the sky and the clouds and watching the birds overhead um, it just feels like everything is alive with mm. its own energy mm. um, and and it's all very nonverbal, and it's like when the wind passes through the leaves the trees it's it really feels like the trees are communicating in a way um, you know, through just the movements of, of the leaves. So it's uh it's like that part is ethereal. It's so it's so beautiful. And um, that's the part so that
2: I want so much to experience. <laughs> and that's why it's just out of my grasp. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Cosa. Yeah, no,
4: I, I get it. I get it.
2: Yeah. I think maybe uh a cynic can't experience these things because of the fact that <laughs> they're cynical. <laughs>
1: Nah, man, you're gonna you're gonna get it, man. You just gotta be open, dude. You Gotta be open to it. And I'm not saying that you're not.
2: No, but that's exactly why I'm saying it. You know, when you when your default setting is cynical, yeah, it might you might be just blocking yourself from, you know, having well, you, some kind of an experience
1: like that. Well, when I tell you you have to be open and let go, my friend, maybe that's what the shroom is trying to teach you right from the very beginning. You're still too guarded. Let's go
2: yeah let's Whatever. go let's go I love
5: it baby
2: said the children had very little food in the house and told investigators they had to eat rice for breakfast because they didn't have anything else the kids told the officers they didn't have any clean clothes because they hadn't been to the laundromat in two months the older children told police they'd rather live in foster care than in their current situation they said a family friend in San Diego had offered to take care of them, but the children said their mother refused to give up her parental rights because she gets a monthly check for two of them. So there you go. Florida woman's always a doozy. Florida woman. Florida woman, I told you last week. I warned you people last week.
1: Yo, it ain't always Florida sweet woman son. ain't
2: always rosy. Bang,
1: bang. <laughs> cool, man. You got a double dipper for this episode because you also have fun fact.
2: I have fun fact, and I'm going to get right to it because my fun fact is a bit long.
1: So let me hear more of that great voice of yours, baby. Hear me that, with that fun fact. Let me know. Mhm.
2: Great voice. Yeah, hey, I really. It's a fat I really voice, do love your voice.
1: I knew. I knew you were gonna think it was some, a shot. I knew you, bro. I really like your voice,
2: man. It's sub. It was subconscious. You just had to. Y- y- you just realized. Like, let me hear some more. You of that You know what? Fat I voice. was.
1: <laughs> so I was like, let me just hear some of that great voice of yours. <laughs> so that's why maybe it sounded ingenuine, but it really came from the genuine. Carry
2: on. Fun fact. Okay. Mm-hmm. As most people know, Apollo 11 was the shuttle mission... Not shuttle, sorry, that was before the shuttle. But that was the uh, NASA mission that was to put the first human beings on the moon. Right? What people don't maybe know is that... That mission came close to ending in disaster multiple times. So, it was a three-person crew that started out... um, in, a, in the command module yeah. so this is one of their uh, ships there at that point so they were just arriving at the moon, all three of them are in this command module, two of them Neil Armstrong, who you're probably familiar with, and Buzz Aldrin transfer from the command module to something called the lunar module and that lunar module is meant to disconnect and then go down to actually touch down on the moon leaving one of the astronauts behind in the command module uh, his name was Michael Collins. It,
1: Why is he not important? It's not, not that he's not important. A, that nah, was just, bang. that's just how,
2: It's it <laughs> just mission, man. It's a mission.
1: I just, I've, I've heard of Buzz, you know, I've heard of, of Neil, but I've never heard of this guy.
2: Dude, there were six missions that went to the moon. Have you heard of any of the other astronauts? <laughs> nope. I might drop some names later. Not that anyone's going to recognize them, but yeah, it's kind of screwed up. Do it. All right. So as soon as the separation from the lunar module or of the Lunar Module from the Command Module happens, the problems begin. Right after the separation, the radio link to the Lunar Module, where Neil Armstrong is with Buzz Aldrin, that starts to flake out. And the guys over in um, Mission Control are having trouble communicating with these guys and getting data from them, right? It was intermittent. So it was getting bad to the point where they had to really decide whether to continue with the descent or not because at some point if they didn't get if they weren't getting enough information they couldn't risk do making the descent so the basically the radio was in and out buzz aldrin messes around with the antenna it doesn't really help it's just enough that they can continue the descent so they decide let's keep going that's one that's the first thing now while they're dealing with these communication issues as they're descending a master alarm inside the lunar module goes off and it's showing some error code. The error code is 1202. Maybe it doesn't mean anything right now, but there's a reason why I'm saying it. It's showing an error code 1202, which, when you translate it, basically means that the computer is overloaded. The computer. Remember, these the technology back then was this technology was all in its infancy, right? Um, the computer was overloaded with data. And it was so bad that it was throwing this error and basically what the error is telling them is i've got too much data i can't handle it i'm going to reboot and restart this is what this error is is about so um now they're trying to manage this thing and the guys in mission control are like okay as long as the error is intermittent so it's coming and going we can still go let's keep going so the the error comes and goes and as it comes back they realize okay (laughs) the error is back but it's the same error and as long as it's the same error we will keep going so they keep going and they're descending this master alarm is going off yeah and it's telling them that there's this problem any minute that shit could just the computer could just shut down at which point they would have to abort the descent but aborting the descent is just as dangerous because the computer's flaking out. You need the data to be able to get abort, you know, make a safe abort. So that's the second thing that happens. Now, as they're descending, they start to get a low fuel warning. They're about a hundred feet from the moon's surface, and they're getting a, a warning that they are that they have low fuel. About sixty seconds of fuel left, basically, and. They were not sure in the beginning if it was going to be enough to actually land. They did obviously <laughs> land. When they landed, their estimation is they had 15 to 20 seconds of fuel left. If they would have run out of fuel, they would have just dropped. And there's one other thing that I didn't mention, but it was also problematic. When they separated from that command module, um, mm-hmm. the command module had, because it was, everything is moving up there, it had given a little more speed to the lunar module than was expected. Long story short, when they separated and were descending, they realized, as they looked out to where they should be landing, that they were o- going to overshoot their landing spot. So, when he looked out, and I'm talking about Neil Armstrong, instead of seeing a nice, clear, plain, flat area to land, he saw huge boulders and huge craters everywhere, like a field of craters. So... Because they overshot their actual landing spot. So he had to eye, yeah, look, (laughs) to see if he could find a spot.
1: You're telling me he had to eyeball this shit? He had to
2: eyeball a spot that was clear enough to land this thing. Otherwise, he could have hit a boulder or freaking rolled off into a crater. (laughs) That's how precarious that entire mission was. And that was just at the landing part. So there's your <laughs> so the fun facts. I couldn't really just tell you one because you needed the context. Yeah, it was just ties crazy. in.
1: Thanks. I need a new a new pair of pants now.
2: Well, you guys got alligators. Sure.
1: Well, we got yeah, we do we do have gators, but the gators, I mean, sometimes they'll get in the canals, you know, and you may you may see one here and there pop up on a golf course or something, but. For the most part, Florida does a pretty good job of containing the gators and keeping them, I think, uh, where they need in the swamp in the swamp areas. And as I say that, I feel like a douchebag because this was theirs before us, so maybe we're <laughs> the ones that need to leave, you know. Um, but it's cool to see. I mean, with the exception that I've heard bald boars are extremely aggressive, <laughs> I would think it would be cool to see. Oh,
2: oh no, yeah, they they they'll they'll kill you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like they have a big tusk and they're very territorial and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think
2: a lady was killed here, I don't know how long ago, because apparently, because I guess when the mom is running around with her little piglets.
1: She wants to she, she's kill everything pro- inside She's
2: super protective or something. And, and I think some lady was getting out of her car or something, and I guess a bunch of these came running by, and she, I guess, lost her footing and fell to the oh, ground. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, she no. didn't make it i mean i'm not mean to laugh but
0: uh see
1: now you're laughing i don't know why you're laughing that's just wrong it's not right no it's it's not the fact that she didn't make it i want to point. they'll get you it's uh (laughs) it's like it's like a scary movie like when you know somebody's chasing you and then you trip over the table you're like how are you gonna trip right now how are you gonna lose your footing right now man like
2: I yeah i think lady. it was i think it was like an old lady and i guess oh, okay. these, these animals are big and they're heavy and they're strong they're strong very so strong maybe yes. they knocked her over I, i'm not really sure i i heard about it so it, it does happen and they will hurt or even kill you if you know in the right circumstance i, I yeah. mean it's not like i can't i'm afraid to step out of my apartment because i'm getting you know stalked by a wild pig or something but You never know when they might pop up because they're running through to get to their territory or whatever.
1: I was seeing the other day that a bear got loose somewhere in upstate New York, and the bears actually learn the uh, trash schedule. (laughs) (laughs) So these bears know when it's here. It's Tuesday and Friday, so I'm gonna I'm gonna relate it to that. These bears know when it's Tuesday and Friday, man. And they'll come out because it's trash, and they'll just go rumbling through trash, you know. And it's it's tough man because again like they were here before us but kind of we all got we all got to make this thing called life work so i kind of need some of your space it's just a tough situation cuz you know that boar even that boar is <laughs> is acting instinctively maybe if she doesn't have her cubs she's not as mad i think it's an instinct thing you know and it just comes sometimes those lines where human beings should be and, and where animals are are blurred Maybe because we're building too much, right? We're taking some of their land. Or maybe because there's less food out there. So they come closer to us, you know, like the bears do on on trash days. But always unfortunate when that happens in all seriousness, nonetheless, you know.
2: You know, I was laughing because you put this image in my head when you said uh, that, you know, it's there. It was their sort of land first you know, yeah, but we, you yeah. know, we have to make this we have I to make this it. thing called life work, you said, right? Yeah. You know what it reminded me of was was Hitler in World War Two because oh. his <laughs> <laughs> No, because he literally justified starting his war of aggression with something he called Lebensraum, which literally means living space. He wanted more like living space for the german people and so his his plan was to basically expand into his neighbor's countries and uh so it's just funny how (laughs) (laughs) you applied that to animals but hitler had the same concept are you not entertained not
5: entertained not entertained
2: Why, if not for diversion, we would be bored? And boredom would drive us to seek some more solid means of escape. But diversion passes our time and brings us imperceptibly to our death.
0: Three, two, one...
3: If you talk all the time, you'll never hear what anybody else has to say. And therefore all you'll have to talk about is your own conversation. The same is true for people who think all the time. That means when I use the word think, talking to yourself,
5: sub-vocal conversation,
3: the constant uh, chit-chat of symbols and images and talk and words
5: inside your skull.
3: Now if you do that all the time, you'll find that you have nothing to think about except thinking. And just as you have to stop talking to hear what others have to say, you have to stop thinking find out what life is about. And the moment you stop thinking, you become into immediate contact with the unspeakable world. The force of liberation will blow the world to pieces.
1: sir welcome back it's your boy frank with the one and only cynic um if you've been hearing i do go by chitty chitty bang bang as well chitty chitty bang bang chitty chitty bang bang just want to bring that back Um, and i go
2: by uh, uh cynic uh cynic cynic
1: cynic oh man awesome well we're excited to have you guys uh here with another episode this is episode 11 so we're getting going here man i think uh we're catching some speed here cynic what you think
2: yeah, I would have to agree. Uh, every week, it's just going by faster and faster. I find myself having to start doing my research <laughs> as soon as we're done. Sooner recording. and
1: sooner. Yeah, imagine, so. imagine if we ever get this to a daily cast, man. I know we've yeah we've, we've uh, toyed around you know with that I idea. Say, <laughs> I just yeah, I don't see that happening anytime soon, guys. But hey, look, if we do it, you know things are going very well. And we don't have any regular jobs anymore, and we can just do this, so that'll be cool. But yeah, that's going to be really tough if, if, um, if we ever do get there, but we'll see, man. We'll see. I think that'll be a good thing, yeah. ultimately, if we do.
2: Yeah, that would be, that would be lovely, actually. Yeah, that'll be really <laughs> good.
1: That'll be really good. Today, guys, we're talking about distractions, but before we get into that, I want to go ahead and kick it over to Cynic so he can hit us with our fun
2: fact for the week. Today's fun fact. You know, do we have a jingle? I forgot if we we've been, we, had, we did a jingle only once, didn't we?
1: We did a jingle once. Last episode, we did more of a like a uh, criminal mind, intriguing background music, ambiance.
2: That's um, right. Yeah. So today's fun fact is tied to our topic of the day, which, as uh, Frank said, is uh, distraction. And this was actually not so easy to find. Um, meaning a fun fact in general for this topic <laughs> You but, felt the pressure, <laughs> maybe pressure. I was just looking in the wrong places, I'm not sure but in any case I did find one thing that was interesting, it's a study conducted by uh, Harvard University and they found that when people were engaged in some activity such as reading or shopping they tended to be happier if they were focused on the activity itself now that sounds kind of obvious um but the interesting part is the second part they say when they were thinking about something else they were less happy in fact whether and where their minds wandered was a better predictor of happiness than what they were actually doing at the moment and to just break that down a little bit the reason that's super interesting is because we have so many distractions in our daily lives and i think we'll get into a lot of them today we'll try to get into a lot of them today because some of them you actually don't even realize are distractions and apparently every time we're distracted and it doesn't matter what we're being distracted from uh, according to these guys they found that that distraction makes you just that bit less happy (laughs) than if you were just able to focus on the thing that you were doing so if you tally up how many times we're distracted in the day You could imagine what that might be doing to your happiness. So there's your fun fact of the day.
1: All right. All right. Well, it's
2: not a statistic, (laughs) but uh, it's
1: getting right to it. Might not even be a fact, (laughs) but it's fun. (laughs) So basically what you're saying is that every time we distract ourselves after we're done with the distraction, we're even more miserable than when
2: we started. All right. We're we're slightly more miserable. Hey, but you you know what?
1: It's good to know the psychology of it. Because I think next time you're distracted, you're going to look at it a little different. You know, you'll be a little more sensitive to how you're feeling.
2: That's the goal. That's the goal. It will be quite a challenge to get there, though. And I think we're going to talk about that, too, today. I hope we will. Because, like I said, it's so ever-present in our lives that when we start digging into into it, we might find that we're more distracted than focused. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of scary.
1: It's scary, man. It is. It is. And, you know, if you think about kind of the, the the word itself, the root of the word, right? Distraction. Distraction is the opposite of traction, right? And traction is anything pulling you closer to your goals, whatever that may be, yeah, exactly. right? Whether it be daily yeah. goals, whether it be monthly goals, whether it be yearly goals, so on and so forth. So well, now when we say distraction, which is obviously the topic that we're talking about today, you know we know that's the opposite of that so anything pulling you away from accomplishing those goals right and um i think the day that the day and age that we live in right now uh, at this point in time cynic i think that we like man we got to be jedis <laughs> you know like we got to be tapped into something else because it's so easy to get pulled away and man mm-hmm. one thing about this podcast that i love cynic is that you know we're honest i always have a lot of people message me about different different shows and stuff and i think one thing that they they appreciate is how candid we are um yeah how we're willing to to kind of just kind of let you guys in i'm gonna be honest here guys i am no better (laughs) we talk about these things right because it's a round table because we want to get the information out there because hopefully we can help somebody right if it's one of those episodes because not every episode is going to be like that sometimes we'll just really be shooting the shit but some episodes would be more cerebral and not only it can help you guys but it can help us because we're able to kind of see things from a different perspective and i'm so guilty cynic of watching a show or watching a movie and dude i you know i'm very aware i'm very aware every about four to five minutes i'm picking up that phone man and i'm checking (laughs) i'm checking facebook i'm checking instagram i'm checking you know and i'm still watching the movie like last night i was watching mtv's challenge which i've been watching for years if you guys aren't on that step the hell up you know what I mean? CT already went home, guys. Big news. But the um, point being is it's a two-hour show. Man, I must have picked up my phone be at least 15 or 16 times. And it's just subconsciously. It's not It's not like I'm watching the show and I actually think, hey, I wonder what's going on on Instagram. No, I'm watching the show and I'm like, I'm missing. Something is missing. Oh, boom, I grabbed mm-hmm. my phone. Like I need something more. Like what I'm watching isn't enough <laughs> to exactly. capture me. You know what I mean? And it is, it's it's, scary, man, but it's the truth. When civility leads to death, revolting is the only logical reaction. The cries for peace will rain down. And when they do, they will land on deaf ears. Because your violence has brought this resistance. We have the right to fight back. Rest in power, George Floyd.
5: We are oppressed, we are exploited, we are downtrodden, we are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against a common enemy. Who taught you to hate the texture of your hair? Who taught you to hate the color of your skin? to such extent that you bleach to get like the white man? Who taught you to hate the shape of your nose and the shape of your lips? Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Who taught you to hate your own kind? Who taught you to hate the race that you belong to? So much so that you don't want to be around each other. No, before you come asking Mr. Muhammad, does he teach hate, you should ask yourself who taught you to hate being what God made you.
2: This is no stone unturned. Today we have no fun facts. Today we have only facts. In
1: 1824, Providence, white mob attacks blacks for refusing to get off sidewalks, destroyed 20 buildings in black district.
2: 1841, Cincinnati. White mobs riot against black dock workers using a cannon, destroying property, and killing an unknown number.
1: 1842 Philadelphia White mob attacks a black parade and riot for three days, beating many, looting black homes, and burning a church.
2: 1863 Detroit After a sensationalist rape trial, white mobs riot, beating and killing blacks, and burning down some 35 buildings.
1: 1866 New Orleans White Attack Black Political Parade outside the Mechanics Institute in New Orleans. 38 killed and 46 wounded.
2: 1866 Memphis. White mobs riot against black Union soldiers. 46 blacks killed. 5 black women raped. 100 buildings looted and burned.
1: 1868 Louisiana. Opelousas Massacre. Political riots result in over 1,000 armed white massacring, perhaps over 100 black opponents.
2: 1870 Lawrence, South Carolina. Mob of 2,500 armed whites riot against local freedmen's militia, black office holders and their white allies.
1: 1870 Utah, Alabama. In political unrest, white moms spark riots at polling places to terrorize and intimidate black voters.
2: 1871 meridian mississippi rioting white mobs killed 30 blacks over several days local black homes burned along with a black school
1: 1873 califax louisiana armed white mobs riot against black office holders burning courthouse with blacks inside killing 60 to 150.
2: 1874 vicksburg mississippi white citizens angered by black voters and office holders erupt into a riot 31 people killed.
1: 1874, Cushita, Louisiana. Paramilitary white league sparks riot killing some 20 freedom office holders and their white allies.
2: 1874, Liberty Place Riot, Louisiana. 5,000 white league members riot against local governments seen favorable to blacks. 40 killed.
1: 1876, Hamburg, South Carolina. Armed white mobs riot in local black district killing members of black militia and looting the town.
2: 1898, Wilmington, North Carolina. White mob of 2000 attacks black newspaper, rampaging and looting black district, 15 to 60 blacks killed.
1: 1898, Phoenix, South Carolina. White mob riots to stop black from voting, killing many predominant blacks, chasing others from their homes.
2: 1898, Lake City, South Carolina. White mob riots against black postmaster, burning his home, killing him and his infant one-year-old daughter.
1: 1906, Atlanta. 10,000 whites rampaged through black Atlanta for three days. 40 blacks killed, black properties burned, forced to flee city.
2: 1908, Springfield, Illinois. For two days, white mobs riot in black districts. Two blacks killed, 40 homes and 20 businesses destroyed.
1: 1917, St. Louis, Missouri. 3,000 strong white mob burn and loot black homes and destroy local black business district. 100 to 200 blacks killed.
2: 1921, Tulsa, Oklahoma. White mobs riot in black business district. 10,000 left homeless. 35 blocks destroyed. 800 injured. 25 to 300 killed.
1: 1923, Rosewood, Florida. An entire town of black families destroyed by white mobs.
2: 1972 philadelphia police dropped a bomb on a west philly neighborhood specifically on the house of a black liberation group called move killing 11 members including five children destroying 61 homes and leaving 250 people homeless
1: and you can see those pictures on our social media sites
5: transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice i have a dream my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today.
2: I am Cynic, joined by my co-host, Chitty Chitty.
1: I think I'm just gonna say Frank today, Cynic. I don't even like, I don't even wanna be joyful today, man. I don't wanna be light, I don't wanna be happy. And, and I pride myself on being even keel. not letting the the troubles of the day you know drain my energy man but i'm just gonna go by frank today man maybe maybe chitty chitty bang bang will come for resurrection next episode but
2: yeah so um if anyone isn't aware uh, a bit of backstory regarding what's going on now is uh this gentleman george floyd Mm -hmm. uh he uh was from minnesota And apparently, as far as I understand it, he was uh, at some kind of a store or shop and was trying to pay with what the shop owner said was a counterfeit $20 bill. And based on that assumption that he was trying to pay with this counterfeit bill, the shop owner called the police and police showed up. And this is where, for me, things like the story, it has has some holes in it. Um, I've seen some sort of like some photos or, or video of him handcuffed and sitting on the curb or sitting somewhere, like on a sidewalk, if I remember correctly. And then in the same video I was watching, it cuts to later on. I guess, you know, afterwards he is apparently still handcuffed. You can't really tell, but what you can see is that he is face down on the ground and there is a police officer who is try who is I guess subduing him by pressing his knee into uh George Floyd's uh into the back of his neck or the side of his neck. Um yeah like i said to try and subdue him uh george floyd was apparently on the ground with this police officer's neck or knee on his neck for a total of about 8 minutes and 46 seconds almost 9 minutes in between george was telling the officer that he couldn't breathe and from the video that i saw that i remember he was also saying that everything hurts something something to that effect and apparently and i don't think you can see this in the video uh, at some point he just seems to lose consciousness i guess because he's unresponsive when the paramedics come and try to get him up on the on the gurney or on on the stretcher by that time he was apparently already unresponsive so it seems like the police officer by the way his name is uh Shovin if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Derek Chauvin.
1: I think you pronounce it piece of shit. Uh, is the correct pronunciation?
2: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, it seems that he had his knee on his neck even after he was already potentially gone. At, at least passed out. Well, the motherfucker had his, had his hand in his pocket. I'm sorry,
1: Cynic, I can't. The motherfucker had his hand in his pocket, dude. He was he was kneeling on the on the guy's neck for nine fucking minutes. For almost three minutes, the guy was unresponsive, and he stayed with that smirk fucking look on his face and didn't budge, bro. He's a racist piece of shit, man. And I'm sorry, but it's not fucking cool, man. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, that's the gist of it. That's what, what, uh, what happened as we know it. And exactly as you said, I noticed that too when I watched the video. It wasn't a situation in the video.
1: I was fortunate enough to have strong people around me that always taught me to, to love who you are and to accept who you are. And they always instilled love in me, you know, between, you know, the, the, the role models I had in my life and just life experiences and kind of life molding you. I was fortunate enough to, to, to kind of like be able to shake that shit off. Not every kid has that support system that I had for a kid that didn't have a bigger brother to come have his back like you did or you know for a kid that didn't have the support system that I had when you know that kid in school told me that people my color aren't good and white people are good and no. that, that shit man psychologically it, it fucks you up man if you don't have the right, the right support around you and that's why guys we need to start we need to start thinking differently man we need to start thinking differently I, I hope that quote makes people think think differently and I hope this conversation in general makes people think differently and if you were somebody who was just a little racist hopefully you're a little less racist after this podcast
2: (laughs) we can hope (laughs) we can only hope
6: I come here today to talk about how I feel and I feel like that we are treated differently than other people and I don't like how we're treated and Just because of our color doesn't mean anything to me. I believe that. You're doing great. You're doing a great job. Don't stop the clock. Do not stop. We are black people, and we shouldn't have to feel like this. We shouldn't have to protest because y'all are treating us wrong. We do this because we need to and have rights. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let, let Let her talk. Go ahead. I've been born and raised in Charlotte, and I never felt this way till now. And I can't how we're treated. It's a shame know. that our fathers and mothers are killed, and we can't even see them anymore.
0: That's right. It's a shame that we have to go
6: to that graveyard in Berryville and we have tears, and we shouldn't have tears we need our fathers and mothers to be by our side
1: I think it's been proven that there is, you know, spirits out there. I mean, there's some people that still don't believe in them. But I mean, I actually had an ex-girlfriend that didn't believe that spirits were real. She says, I think people make it up. I think that uh, it's all in their head. So for me, it was like, all right, well, for one, you have to respect how people think because, you know, we're just shaped by our experiences, right? So whether maybe that, you know, she had a big... (laughs) uh maybe she she was really scared of, of the dark so that's what you know as a child maybe that's what kind of the defense mechanism she brought up or she really didn't just experience anything and for her it was like nah dude it's all bullshit um, but i remember for like the first you know couple months in our relationship i was like man i gotta man, what about this what about that <laughs> you know look at this video you know trying to kind of like to open her <laughs> eyes she's like nah man i ain't trying to hear that so i just i get i just feel like certain people believe certain people don't but there definitely are a couple interesting stories that we've come across.
2: I, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that I believe in the whole ghost thing um, or even in the evil evil demonic thing.
1: So, so you don't think that demons exist?
2: Like no, like the way we see them pro- portrayed or the way like the, the the way most people think of a demon um, as like mm-hmm. for example, possess somebody or something like that. You're talking so, about? yeah, I,
1: that, that would be my next question. How would you explain somebody who's possessed an exorcism? What, do you, what would you attribute that to if you don't really believe that demons are real? Or the way we view them, at least. If that person is having a bad day. That's a hell of a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you no. remember the movie Exorcist and what she did with that cross. I don't know, my man. I don't know.
2: Yeah, but the Exorcist was a movie. And it was a movie yes very... but it was
1: based off a real event and let me tell you that people <laughs> on that cast a lot of people died after that shit bro and that's part of life right you you, you know i mean we, we we all know that we've spoken about that in other episodes but it was just very coincidental that they died very shortly after making that film but what would be your explanation for for something like that
2: um i i think i would lean more towards it being psychological i, I would you think, think it's that like it's a that chemical these...
1: imbalance?
2: Well, that it's, I don't know, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't want to say a chemical imbalance because I don't know that for a fact, but I would lean more towards some psychological issues and whatever different aspects of that person come out as quote-unquote demon or as a demon or plural, you know, demons, mm-hmm. um, I think are aspects of that person. I, I would
1: have to slightly, di- well, no, I would have to disagree, just... um because I do believe that there's good and evil. You know, and I and I do believe that there are evil spirits walking this earth. One thousand percent. I actually was gonna do this a little later, but I think we're here now, so fuck it. <laughs> I stayed in a haunted hotel once. Okay. Hollywood Beach, Florida. Um, it used to be uh Insane Asylum.
2: <laughs> oh nice.
1: <laughs> so let me give you the backstory here. I think it's Memorial Weekend, like three uh no heck, it had to be more like maybe five years ago and we find this great deal on this hotel right on the beach and i think we booked this maybe like three weeks before which for memorial weekend or any you know holiday you know you want to book in advance because pricing is based on availability and usually you get slammed when you book closer to the date but we find this great deal on this hotel boom we pull the trigger um we get pulled up to the hotel and this thing looks weird like The structure is is different. You know, it's not the way a hotel would look. Like, it's a very large building. It's Just the layout of it looked weird.
2: Can you give me the name of it again before you continue?
1: The name of the hotel? Yes. The Hollywood Beach Resort is the specific name of this establishment. And we'll go ahead and post some pictures on our social media site so you can go ahead and see what I'm talking about. But when you walk up to this building, this shit looks different. It's not a fucking hotel layout. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you go in there and it's like, all right. I, and I'm very man. I'm. Let me tell you, I'm the type of person, cynic. When I stay at a hotel, like I have to make sure the hotel's like legit. Sometimes a good price means that there's roaches or bed bugs, and I can't do that, man. We've already talked about my phobia about these insects, not bed bugs, but I don't. I'm. I'm not trying to bring anything home. You know what I mean? So you can imagine if I don't like roaches in my home, how I'm gonna feel about roaches in my hotel room. So as soon as I walk in here, I'm already fucking suspect. 'Cause I'm like, bruh, the pictures look good. The pictures were misleading. (laughs) But it was just a weird feeling, man. So fast forward uh Memorial Weekend, so we're by the beach, you know, a whole bunch of friends are there, pounding some beers, stumble back up to the room like at three in the morning. Three in the morning is a a very uh peculiar time as well. I don't know you believe in that, but the people that do follow the paranormal call that dead time and Mm -hmm. they believe that's when the most activity is happening. Um, so it was close to 3 in the morning, if not 3.01, with my fucking luck. And we hear a knock at the door. And I'm like, oh shit, are we being too loud? I don't want to be those people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I go, and the door doesn't fucking have a people, for one. <laughs> All right? <laughs> That's a problem. So I have to open the door. I open the door. Dude, there's nobody there. And the way this layout is, is that, yo, this shit is like the hallways are like a football field, kid. Because remember, this shit was a hospital. You know, hotels usually have turns, and you know, because the way they... They meant to build it. It's a hotel, so we're going to make this shit appealing. But Mm -hmm. no, there was nothing appealing about the the bones of this this infrastructure because it was meant for something completely different. So you look to the left, 50 yards, nothing. You look to the right, 50 yards, nothing. So you can say typically, all right, somebody knocked. Maybe I took long to open the door and they turned the corner, right? Right. That can be an explanation. Except I'm in the middle of the fucking hallway and there's 50 yards (laughs) to my right, 50 yards to my left, not a fucking... Not, nothing inside. So now I start getting freaked out. I'm like, oh shit, you know, whatever. You know, I'm still a little drunk, so I don't know if I'm finding it more funny than anything else. And then I start hearing footsteps and like laughing in the hallway, like little kids laughing. Little kids no, that's laughing. I, little kids laughing, papito. Come on, First man. it was footsteps. At three in the First morning, was, man. <laughs> come on, bro. You're going to tell me that that's something in my brain I'm making up, bro? Come on, look. Let let me tell you. First, I heard footsteps, like somebody walking down the hall, and that can be that can be somebody renting there. So I don't find that anything out of the ordinary. But after the knock, I'm I'm opening the door more now. You know, I'm looking more. So I hear footsteps. I go out. Nothing there. Then I hear little kids. After I heard the little kids, I was like, all right, your lights out, or maybe lights on. I don't know if I let the lights on. If we're going to bed, but that was all I needed here, and I never went back to the hotel again. But if you guys, if anybody's out there, because there are some people out there that that type of you know, energy or, or being around those things kind of invigorate them. Go stay at Hollywood Beach Resort in Hollywood, Florida. And let me know how your experience went. But um that was one of my experiences, man. And
2: hmm. also you've had multiple.
1: Crazy. I've had multiple. I mean I don't think I've had anything like earth shattering. You know, okay. like I haven't some people will be like, yo, I saw something in the corner. I saw a dark figure. I've heard of people tell me that before. I've never seen nothing like that. Um but Uh, yeah, I've had those instances where there's a knock on the door, footsteps, kids laughing. And yo, the thing is, is like, I think there was like four of us in the room at that time. You look around, you're like, yo, you heard that, right? Everybody's like, yeah, I heard that shit. You know, so it's not like, if you're alone, you could be like, fuck, I'm tripping, you know? But yo, you heard that? You get, you start looking around. I heard that, bro. I'm just telling, bro, I wish I had a camera right now.
0: I have <laughs> chills,
1: bro. Like my uh, <laughs> my hairs on my arms can't be standing up any any straighter than they are right now. So you get confirmation from other people that all right, it's not our imagination. It is something that either that or it's something that we're all imagining, which I don't I don't mean we we spoke about in the in the rituals uh episode. Do we think they were just tripping when they were? You seen some of the stuff. You are like, yeah, I I remember you said, yeah, I do think they were tripping. We weren't tripping, bro. We had a couple (laughs) beers in us. That's it. Maybe more than a couple, but we had beers in us. That's it. I mean, you were drunk. You were
2: drunk, right? Just let's admit it. You were drunk, right? I mean, I never get drunk though. (laughs) I
1: never. I I can't. We can't afford to. We're men. Men can't get drunk. I mean, that's just the way I see it. I was. I was feeling good. I was buzzed, but I was coherent. I knew what was going on. If I had to, you know, take care of something, I would have been able to do it. Um, but I wasn't like sloppy, fall over drunk. I never, yeah, I never gotcha. got like that, you know. But yeah, it was it was a crazy, crazy experience, and I understand why the rates were so low <laughs> three <laughs> weeks before Memorial <laughs> Weekend. <laughs> do you have any um anything like that? Any any stories or um, do you I talk have... it all up to the house shifting and shit? No, like that? I
2: mean, I have a creepy story. I don't. I wouldn't say it's a ghost story. It's a creepy story. Um, Two of them, actually. One that happened personally to me and another that happened to our mother, actually. So the first Uh, one.
1: Oh, time out. 20 seconds. Please do not forget where you're at. (laughs) You remember, you have three, my man. When we lived in the house in in our childhood home, you were showering one day and you were whistling. You remember that story? and you stop whistling and you kept heard and you, and you heard whistling like you so you're in the shower whistling beep pa pa da pa you stop and you hear beep pa pa <laughs> but it's not you <laughs> you came out freaked out okay you don't remember that story you don't remember that i uh, told you guys i, I have an elephant's memory i told you last episode this shit is real
2: so <laughs> you have, you've had
1: 3D experiences i don't know if you remember that one but i remember that vividly cuz i took a shit for you
2: I, I i didn't remember it until you mentioned it when you mentioned it, <laughs> yes. when you mentioned yes, yes, it, yes. I I have vaguely the memory of it, but the goosebumps came back.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it!
2: I love it. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't know what that was, but I don't think it was a ghost.
1: <laughs> you 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 come on, bro! Like, what you? I'm not gonna say I don't know what it was. It would be unfair to say what it was because we don't know what it was. But it wasn't you
2: no it wasn't, and it wasn't, me, it it
1: wasn't I, me i wasn't fu- i was not, i was not fucking with you i can assure you
2: but you know what the <laughs> thing is though it's like how how freaking absolutely random is that what is the point of that if that if that is a quote ghost what what it what, what was the ghost just passing through and decided to screw with me one time and kept going it makes no sense like it was hey, definitely bro. unexplained it was definitely creepy who
1: but who's to say the spirits don't have sense of, sense of humor
2: yeah. Okay. Bro, where maybe that's just fun other, to the them rest to... of. Where was the spirit every other day in my, maybe, of our life? Maybe, of our
1: lives? maybe it was just passing through. Man, you
2: don't know. <laughs> so you don't know. So the um, one experience that I had that was creepy. Um, you probably, not probably. You rem- you know the apartment that we grew up in uh, in New York, right? Yes, sir. You know that apartment, the layout, and um, once you walk in there's a short hallway. If you keep going straight, there's a big living room. If you go mm-hmm. to the right, there's a very long hallway that goes long the hallway. length of the apartment.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And down that hallway, sort of midway down on the left was um, our parents' bedroom. On the right was the and kitchen. The kitchen. You keep Keep going the to bathroom. the end. Right, there was a bathroom on the right and then two bedrooms at the end. One on the left, one on the right. Mm-hmm. The bedroom on the right was my bedroom. And that bedroom faced the inner side so not the street side of the building the inside that faces the what you might call a here we would call it a courtyard but you know it's just like the the inner um yeah it's it's like a courtyard i don't know how to describe it it's just ugly (laughs) and um when you looked out my window you could see basically the back of the other buildings yeah and um i remember waking up Very, I don't know what time it was. I didn't have a clock in my room. But it was really, it was really late. Everyone was asleep. And I remember waking up and my window was cracked. It was slightly open. And I could hear a woman's voice yelling from down below saying, help me. And it freaked me the hell out because it was so clear i remember that little courtyard now you remember oh, it. no i remember it. i remember it. and i and i heard oh, i i swear i was awake i was not obviously i wasn't drunk or on anything and i heard a woman <laughs> you were a kid crying <laughs> for, exactly she was crying for help like one or two you know yells for help and then i didn't hear anything else it wasn't a scream like you know how you, like the kind of scream you would imagine in a scary movie. Um, mm. It was just mm-hmm. a, 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 like an agonized cry for help. And I was so scared I was frozen. I didn't get up. I didn't get up to look out the window. So I can't tell you if there was really someone down there. But that was something that I experienced that, that I could tell you was real. I didn't like make it up and I didn't dream it. But no one else heard it. Uh, we had a neighbor who lived uh, across the hall, so her apartment, uh, like her kitchen, faced my bedroom, kind of. You know, you like uh-huh. if we left our apartment and yeah. went across the hall. So, yeah. um, I mean, um, our our mom was friends with her. She didn't report any hearing anything, at least not that I know of. But she had her own weird experience. Now, now I'm thinking, now I'm remembering something else that happened um she was convinced that she saw someone looking in at her through a window
1: bro time out bro no
2: i'm serious you
1: can i need i need to go get a jacket guys like (laughs) what the fuck what is going on man
2: the the, the thing is we were on the third floor (laughs) so there was no way anyone could be looking in on her but she was convinced she saw someone looking in on her and ever since she told our mom and 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 me, that story, or I overheard it or whatever. Every time I was in our kitchen, I would freak the hell out when I would look out that window. Because I was always thinking someone is going to be looking in. Of course, I never saw it. I never saw it. But she, she reported that. Those are the, the only two things I can remember that happened weird in that apartment. And uh, when you get back from getting your jacket, if you want, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Snuggle up, bitch. Nah, nah,
1: I'm good, bro. I'm good. I was in Tampa visiting her father, and it was late, man. I don't want to say it was three in the morning, but it was late. <laughs> and uh, his, he, he, you know, he bought a home there that he's restoring to um, go ahead and sell. So he's doing work on the house. There's construction being done on the house, and it's an older house, so the floors creak, you know, when you walk in it. So I'm in the living room watching TV. Pops is in, in the room sleeping, and I hear him get up off the bed. And I go, yo, what up, Pop? Todo bien? Todo bien, Papi? I'm thinking he's going to the bathroom, right? I hear no response. I'm like, Pop, todo bien? No response. I get up, kid. Pops is laying down on the fucking bed, my dude.
5: And uh... I heard.
1: <laughs> let me tell you. Bro, I think I am in a jacket, guys. Dude, let me tell you. I hear him get off the bed. Pam, pam, pam. Because his room, Um, you have to walk out the room and the bathroom is right in front of it. Right? So you have to exit the room to go to the bathroom. So I hear him get off the bed and I hear him go to the bathroom distinctively. I hear the footsteps, boom, boom I hear the creaking uh, on the floor, and I don't think anything of it. I'm like, "Yo, pa, que todo I just say "que like, papi, todo bien," you know, just checking on him. And I, and I, I, find it weird that he doesn't give me a response. So then I ask him again, "Papi, todo bien?" And I get up to look because I'm like, "All right, like, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on." Yo, he's laying down in the bed, cynic. <laughs> you know, he told the me <laughs> that was the latest, bro. Nah. A,
2: but look, there's a point. There's a point where he <laughs> there's a point where he admits he's like, yeah, I don't know why, but I always end up with straight guys. I so
1: I get it. There's a picture though, I don't know if you remember this, where Joe is slightly holding his second husband and he's and he's holding him from the back, bro. Like no shirts on. This is a, a Photoshop picture, like a professional picture. This guy's gay, gently (laughs) held, you know, while he's looking over his shoulder. It's two dudes again. There's nothing wrong with with that type of relationship. I don't want people to misunderstand my angle here, but don't say you're not gay. You know, I don't know. (laughs) And I mean,
2: you're gonna get into so much trouble. I know I'm gonna get into so much trouble, man. But you know,
1: I just my thing is this: is you know, there is there a such thing as how gay are you, like? (laughs) You know when people say, "Well, you know, would you do this for a million dollars no? Would you do it for 500 million? Well, like for me there isn't a price, right I'm not going to do it regardless of what you pay me For them, there was a price maybe Maybe that's the thing right where he says that they're not they're not really gay because they do like women, but because Joe is offering them this lavish lifestyle of expired meat and mm-hmm. people's arms getting ripped off, they just want to kind of hang around him, you know what I mean uh, but again, I, I want to point out there's nothing wrong, <laughs> nothing wrong. I have a lot of dear friends that are homosexuals and lesbians. Again, I don't want that to be misunderstood, but don't say you're not gay <laughs> when you've been taking eggplants, buddy. That's all I'm saying.
2: The plan long term is to put people on Mars. Yes. And that's what Artemis is for. Artemis will go back to the moon. Um, they're going to have they have plans to put some sort of a intermittent space station that will be orbiting the moon, uh, where the astronauts will go to, be able to like get their stuff together, sort of launch from there to go to the to Mars. But the, it's a three phase thing, three step thing, and the Artemis One is supposed to, I think in twenty twenty one, supposed to launch.
1: Speaking of Mars, if you haven't seen Away on Netflix. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, take way, the time yeah. to see that freaking show. A I binged it. Me a little bit. <laughs> I I watched in the first day. All right, in the first day, I watched six episodes consecutively. Took a break. Watch Mulan because that's when, when Mulan dropped. <laughs> which, if you haven't seen Mulan, peep that too. Then went back and watched two more. And there's ten episodes in one season. I took a day break and then I, and I killed the, the the last two the day after. But watch that freaking show why did it get you upset cynic i know we're up against it i'm hitting with the quote but why yeah, <laughs> Why'd you just, say it got you mad
2: so just real quick so i liked the series all in all i liked the series i was hooked on it i couldn't just stop watching it so i will say that um but they just it, it was too much drama too much drama like mm-hmm. this is a personal opinion thing like i love those kinds of shows because i love space i love you know that, that topic in general and i don't mind drama i'm used to it it's part of television and film but this one it seemed like they just tried to fit every piece of every moment with some overly dramatic situation and at some point it was just like i just wanted to vomit it's like it's too much it's too much now can we just get back to the main storyline here we need people like you
1: we need people uh, like you that's what I learned. A big today. part of the
2: a big part of the <laughs> series was the the relationships. I got that. People don't think that I don't get that. I'm just saying I I don't need that to be like seventy percent of the show for me. And that for me felt like it was seventy percent of the show.
1: I get you. I mean, I think they did a good balance, man. I don't know. I think they did a. I balance. you
2: kind you kind of soft, <laughs> son. You kind of soft.
1: <laughs> hey, listen to me, man. I'm in tune. I'm in tune with my alignment. I will say that. I think. I think it wasn't too bad. I do get what you're saying, though. Now that I look back at it and you say that, I'm like, I can see why you thought that. But that never came to me. That thought never came to me when I was watching it because, for one, it's a show. It's not a documentary. So I know there's going to be some of that intertwined. And just as long as you do it tastefully, I'm cool with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Good, because I know what I'm. I know what I'm here for but now if it's a documentary and we're talking about it's different you know it's a different angle but it was fucking it's dope man you guys check that out I, I definitely recommend it i don't know if you're gonna watch aiden one day like me but if you do drop us a comment we'll love to hear about it absolutely all right man it's quote time man we gotta get the hell out of here you ready Sinek?
2: do that i gotta go get some dinner
1: let's do it man the earth reminded us of a christmas tree ornament hanging in the blackness of space as we got farther and farther away, it diminished in size. Finally, it shrank to the size of a marble, the most beautiful marble you can imagine. That beautiful, warm, living object looking so fragile, so delicate, that if you touched it with a finger, it would crumble and fall apart. James Irwin, astronaut.
2: And that reminded me of that awesome picture called Earth Rising. That's the most, one of the most impactful photos um, that I felt came out of that whole program. Earth rising, look it up. It's amazing.
1: Not only will we look it up, Cynic, but we will post it on our social media site. Here you go. At no stone underscore underscore if you want to check
2: that out. Nice.
1: Good stuff, man.
2: Alright, ladies and gents. Yeah. Thank you for joining us as always. It's like every episode
1: back. is a mission. <laughs> <laughs> a mission into space.
2: And every episode is putting us right on the brink of catastrophe and death. <laughs>
1: yeah son i hope you guys enjoyed that i know we did cynic that was a blast man
2: there was ladies and gents there was that is the culmination of blood sweat and tears i hope you enjoyed it we love you peace we out (laughs) shake and bake baby
1: As soon as, and you see him, the scene before, no, no jacket. He's tending to her, you know, the arm is completely gone. We got to go ahead and act quick. So he's going, you know, and he's there for her, which I do commend him for. And then a couple shots later, my dog got the collar popped. What the, (laughs) what the jacket? (laughs) I'm actually going to send that to you right now, just so you can see. But he was ready, man. That's part of the, like, he was always ready for the camera.